Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Going right out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcoming in my good friend and colleague over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, Sam Gordon. And you can read all of his stuff. Just go to Vegas Nation, the app, or VegasNation.com on the computer. You can see everything that we do um, Raider-wise uh, for, for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Nobody does it better from A to Z. We got you covered with stories, photo essays, videos, um, the whole nine yards. Um, so it's been a fun year, been an interesting year to say the least. Uh, and, and we've got you covered from A to Z. Sam Gordon, how you doing, my friend? What's up, Vinny? Doing well. Happy Tuesday. Great to talk again, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. So um, we've had about, uh, what, 72 hours, I guess, to digest um, everything that really happened uh, this year uh, with the Raiders. And, and it, it continues, obviously, the firing of Matt, Mike Mayock yesterday. Uh, we'll see what direction they take with, uh, with finding a permanent head coach. Um, but let's just start with the season itself. Um, yeah. In spite of all the craziness and all the turmoil and everything that, that uh, all the um, adversity that this team had to deal with, uh, I was struck by its willingness to fight, its willingness to, to stand up for itself and to not let bad habits of the past become bad habits of the present. They fought their way to a playoff um, spot, and I think it was a huge step in the right direction for this organization. And I think it's meaningful. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's something that you, know, you just look at and say, oh, okay, that was great. I think there's some merit to that and a foundation that was set um, uh, moving forward, even without a permanent head coach right now and a general manager. Oh, I'm completely with you, Vinny. I think, yeah, regardless of, of what turnover happens um, on the sidelines or upstairs, right, you have a number of, of key players on this team that we know are going to be back that have now experienced the medal and, uh, of, of the of, of a 2021 season, right, and that, that have now – experiences on and off the field, knows what, know what it's like from an intangible perspective to rally together to play as a team, to persevere and whatnot. And I know it really sounds cliche, but I think I'm of the mindset that in pro sports, like experience matters. And to be able to find a way to make the playoffs, um, given, like you said, everything that transpired, the ups and downs, a lot of downs uh, on and off the field, losing five of six, having to essentially win four straight do or die games uh, and to execute, to, to win those games, not just to win them, but to win them, um, in extremely compelling fashion and in a way that requires quite frankly a lot of moxie um, throughout all four quarters in all those games, especially the one here uh, at Sunday night at Allegiant Stadium. So, yeah, I, regardless of what direction they go, I think there's a ton of merit to what they uh, accomplished this year for everybody involved. I mean, what, what better lesson, what better life lesson to learn than the one that they did this year um, with everything that transpired on and off the field. And from a football standpoint, uh, there's a foundation, like you said. There's a, there's a formula here. There are players that emerged as, as – Huge, huge contributors in the NFL at this level. Some of the best of the best. Um, there are holes on the roster. We know that. We understand that. But all in all, um, Mike Mayock, the recently departed Mike Mayock, set the expectation, speaking about making the playoffs, and they did that and nearly won uh, a playoff game uh, on the road against one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL and one of the best young receiving tandems in the NFL. So uh, impressive season, uh, despite everything that transpired. And, and now uh, we see... We get to see how Mark Davis uh, wants to decide to build on it. 
We're going to talk about uh, Mike Mayock and the the job that he did, and um, you know the possibilities moving forward uh, as far as the replacement. But uh, all right, Sam, I'm going to give you the vote, and it's the only vote that counts. <laughs> Who was the Raiders team MVP this year? Oh, geez, um, Raiders team MVP. Well, I have to go with the quarterback, Derek Carr, um, just because of he plays the most important position, and I think from an intangible an intangible standpoint. He was so steady, I mean, throughout the course of the year. All the ups and downs, we already understand what he had been through up to this point in his career with the turnover in the front office, the turnover on the coaching staff, um, the turnover on the sideline, et cetera, et cetera. And for him to, to, to be such a steady leader with his presence, with his play, with his play in big moments, it wasn't always perfect. The offense uh, really struggled down the stretch. But when it was money time, in most of those games, many that they had to win, he was making big plays. And I think there's – there's merit to that. That kind of sums up, you know, the perseverance that this team um, had all year. I think if you go on the, if you want to take a non-quarterback, um, I would have to. I think it's a tie between Max Crosby um, and Hunter Renfro, right? Just what how they were able to emerge, uh, Renfro emerging as a as a go-to receiver with Darren Waller's injury, and then Max Crosby uh, forming with Unique Nagakwe, one of the most disruptive pass rushing tandems um, in the league. I think that that when you talk about building on a foundation, I think the defensive line in particular. Uh, gives this team an edge and a little bit of a swagger. I think that was established towards the end of the year, and I'm curious to see what kind of improvements they make and how they're able to build on it, you know, who stays, who comes, who goes, whatever, um, how they're able to build on that next year. So th- those would be um, the top three, uh, in my opinion, in terms of players' uh, contributions um, on the field. But, you know, from a leadership standpoint, Casey Hayward was unbelievable, and he, was, he played at a really high level. I think he was fantastic just given the year that he had last year, how he was able to bounce back and, and be one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. I think he was definitely a stabilizing presence um, in the secondary, and then Denzel Perryman, too, uh, at the linebacker spot, where he was, you know, a cast-off, wasn't considered, um, or that many didn't think had this level of play left in him, and he was one of the league's leading tacklers before he got gets hurt. So that, that would be, I mean, I know you only asked me for one, and I gave you five, but I think that speaks to some of the leadership and the roles guys had to play to keep this thing together, and, uh, and everybody was able to figure it out, and uh, it, it, it worked to a degree, 10-7, and seven, uh, playoff victory or a uh, playoff uh, playoff berth in a in a really competitive game against Cincinnati on Saturday. You mentioned that the offense, uh, you know, kind of sputtered down the end, uh, down down the home stretch. Um, and I think there were some reasons for that. Uh, I also think that when you take a Darren Waller out of the lineup, you're going to feel yeah. that. Take take Travis Kelsey out of the Kansas City Chiefs, um, you know, uh, lineup, and maybe even you know one of their wide receivers if you're talking about. Uh, the Henry Ruggs loss as well, you're going to feel it. Teams are going to feel sure. that because you're not replacing them with uh, equivalent players at all. They're, those Guys like that are, are, are special. Um, so I, I think that some of the struggles had to do with that uh, and, and you know, an offensive line that never really truly got settled uh, this year. But if you're now making you the general manager, um, uh, Sam Gordon, so congratulations on the position. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm going to hit you up for free tickets at some point. So, But seriously, if you're the general manager of this team and you're looking specifically at that offense to make sure what happened this year doesn't happen a- again in terms of some of the lapses that or the, you know, some of the struggles, where are you going to fix it to, to get this offense because I don't think it needs to be fixed, but what are you doing? What changes are you making uh, to get this to where it needs to be? Well, I think, first and foremost, they could use a veteran presence on the offensive line, particularly at right tackle. Uh, It was a young unit this year. The Raiders understood that. They bet on that. It was a risk they took. And at times, um, you know, uh, uh, several times, 
uh, the risk didn't necessarily pay off. That was a unit that struggled. It played well in, in key spots. And there's certainly reason to believe that Andre James, that John Simpson, and that Alex Leatherwood could continue to develop and become better players in this league. At the same time, I don't know if you can necessarily bank on that or, or, or guarantee that. So you want to give them an opportunity to develop, of course. But in the meantime, I think they could use a veteran, a veteran anchor on the right side of the ball or on the right side of that offensive line, or even if they have to go draft, um, you do that as well. And then number one, number one receiver, um, or, or a co-number one, I think Hunter Renfro proved that he could handle that kind of workload as the number one guy and the featured guy, but how much more efficient would he be um, if he was playing next to uh, somebody else on the outside that, could, that can make plays? I think you can, you can uh, go that route in the draft. We've seen a number of impact rookie receivers the last couple of years, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, um, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, or maybe in free agency, uh, a guy that we talked about on our Vegas Nation podcast, first and ten guy you mentioned, Devontae Adams, maybe a free agent. We we know the connection he has with Derek Carr, formerly of Fresno State. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, another guy who I believe is hitting the open market um, as a free agent, still as much football as he played, still only 25 years old, and if healthy, I think there's some upside there, a former 1,400-yard receiver in the league. So those on the offensive side of the ball, I think, are the two the two biggest positions of need. We saw. Jay Jones, Brian Edwards emerges as rotation receivers, guys more than capable of contributing on a playoff offense, on, a, on an offense that reached the playoffs. Um, and then you figure if Darren Waller um, is, is 100% healthy, that gives you a little bit of a boost as well. But you can never bank on health in the National Football League, and I think they definitely need to create depth um, with their skill guys. Uh, in terms of uh, running back, I think you know, you're set with Josh Jacobs. He's, uh, he's a running back that clearly can handle the big – um, a bigger workload in terms of in a single game. He's physical. He's bruising. You'd like to see more of the long-term health stuff with him. I, I don't think he's been 100% um, since his rookie season, but I don't think you need to make a move necessarily there with him and Kenyon Drake coming back. So those would be my, my two areas, right tackle and receiver. We're talking to Sam Gordon, the great reporter over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, my friend and my colleague uh, as well. Um, okay, what do we make? What are we to make of Mike Mayock's uh, tenure, um, three-year tenure as the general manager of the Raiders? Oh, geez. Great question, Vinny. I think, I think it's twofold, right? You can, it depends on how you want to look at it. There's certainly some successes and there's certainly uh, some failures. Now we have to remember he was an extension of John Gruden. They were essentially a tandem and, and regardless, you know, the 51, 49%, however you want to divvy up who had final personnel say, I know that was, you know, Gruden. There was, Mayock was certainly a crucial element in constructing this roster. So for sake of this conversation, we'll talk about the moves they made under Mayock's tenure since 2019. I think where, where his most glaring um, misuse are, mishaps were, were with his early round draft picks, where first in 2019, 2020, 2021, you've yet to find in the first round like a, a star, uh, you know, or, or, you know, forget star, like a, a starter that you, you, you're certain is going to make it to a second contract with the franchise. Those are money picks. You, you hope to definitely get starters and guys that can be a part of your core for a while. And it, you know, obviously the upside is an all pro kind of player. As we see year in and year out, you get, guys that are contributing at a high level as rookies right away. They, they had opportunities the last few years to, 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 pull, to, to select players like that, and they didn't, they didn't have them. We know who, the, who they took with their first-round picks, and we know how a lot of those panned out. Um, conversely, I think in the later rounds, you get guys that, have, that, this foundation, that are constructing the foundation of this team. Renfro, uh, Crosby, Trevon Merrick, a good second-round pick, who was very, very promising as a rookie. Nate Hobbs in the fifth round. Obviously a fantastic player. So uh, the list goes on and on there in terms of contributors. Divine Diablo looks like he is a, is a piece at linebacker uh, moving forward. There's, there's Falcom Kuhn showed some upside. So the later round selections I think um, he has some success with, and then at the same free agency was, was hit or miss. 
uh, and Corey Littleton not necessarily playing up to, to what you expected from him, Nick Kwiatkowski, the Trent Brown fiasco, the list goes on and on there. At the same time, you're able to bring in some impact guys like Casey Hayward Jr., uh, Unique Nagakwe, uh, that helped turn this thing around, the, the defensive tackle tandem that, that helped turn this thing around too. So at the end of the day, I think there was hits and misses, but clearly there was when, when you whiff on, on first-round draft picks and you're not able to, to, to solidify your roster with top-tier talent when you have it available to you, um, that to me feels like kind of the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And, uh, and with that in mind, it shows that, that Mark Davis has higher expectations. They need to do a better job on the draft. They need to be a little bit more resourceful in free agency. But I don't think they're far away. There's plenty of good players on the roster for whoever inherits this, this opportunity um, to, to work with and work around. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, uh, if I'm Mark Davis, that's the first question that I have uh, of the general manager slash coach, whatever, however he's going to outline, you know, the power structure. Um, the question is, what is your plan to get this to the next level? And I yeah. want to talk about taking any step backwards. Uh, I don't talk about, you know, uh, uh, any kind of a rebuild. It's pushing it forward from this point and doing it expeditiously um, and and in fast manner. And that's the question that I would have. I would also, uh, you know, kind of chiming in and piggybacking what you just said, Sam, uh, in terms of the draft, how do you avoid the glaring mistakes at the top of the draft? Um, What's the plan in place to make sure? Obviously, it's always a crapshoot. You know that. But there were just too many that were either conspicuous overreaches or just didn't pan out. Um, so yeah. those are the questions. Are you with me on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely with you. I, I mean, this is, uh, despite all those things we just talked about and the miscues and the mishaps they have, any like, this is a roster that won 10 games. This is a roster that has a quarterback in his prime at 30 years old that I, I, I believe is one of the best 8 to 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. I was trying to think, I was going around the divisions trying to think who I'd rather have. You have the obvious names, but there's not a ton of quarterbacks you'd rather have than Derek Carr, given what he's shown over the course of his career. You have young players that, can, that are already stars that have the potential to get better or, or to have the potential to, to continue to be a stabilizing pieces of what you want to do. Um, you have young players that you hope can develop more, and then you have some, some, some contracts that didn't necessarily pan out in some, you know, a, a situa- some situations, some cap situations you might have to get creative and navigate. But overall, when you take a look at the coaching, you know, the coaching GM openings around the league, all things considered, I think this is one of clearly one of the most attractive attractive situations. It's what the only playoff team with a with a vacancy at head coach. So um, there there's an opportunity there to to really kind of establish something um, long term. We know one thing that's that's been an issue with the Raiders over the last decade or so, is you know last 15 years, whatever, maybe since the Super Bowl 2002. If you want to get really particular, is there, there's been a lot of turnover. Well, now isn't now this job is as attractive as it's ever been for a general manager, for a head coach opening, if they, if they choose not to retain Rich Passaccia, now is the time to, to do what you hope to do with Gruden and Mayock and find some stability. And, uh, and, and with that in mind, I think I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of what, what, these, what questions need to be asked and, and, and what needs to be answered in order for somebody to take one of those positions. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. It's, it's definitely a fascinating development, especially after a 10-7 season in which you reach the playoffs and nearly win the game. Last question for you, Sam Gordon. Um, do you stay with Rich Passaccia, or do you go look for, um, you know, uh, maybe an established guy or or one of the up and coming um, assistant coaches? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm of the mindset that I think Rich Passaccia did an excellent job and definitely deserves strong consideration. I think from a leadership standpoint, that still really matters um, in, in in football and in coaching and whatever in, in professional sports. 
and he clearly has the leadership chops to, 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 to run a coaching staff, to, 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 to garner the respect of the locker room, and to work with his players in order to maximize their potential. He's, he's done that, right? He's proven that. So with that in mind, I'm really only moving on if I can get somebody that's proven that and then some, right? The, 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 the sexy name that we have been hearing for the last couple of weeks, although it seems to be a little quiet right now, was Jim Harbaugh. That, that would make sense. He won three consecutive NFC Championship games. He went to a Super Bowl. He knows how to win. He's won at every single level, every single spot he's coached at. That would make sense. I, I think another guy um, that, that was, would, should, would garner some consideration or should, and you know, we'll see what happens, Doug Peterson, right? Went to Philadelphia, helped turn that thing around, won a Super Bowl, proven it, right? There's, there's a proven track record there. Um, I understand the appeal of bringing in a coordinator and, and giving a young coordinator um, or, or even an experienced coordinator that's yet to have a head coaching job. I understand the appeal of giving somebody an opportunity. I really do. But at the same time, Rich Masasi has proven that he's more than capable of a head coach. You already know you can win games with him as your head coach. You can make the playoffs. He's shown that, especially in a tumultuous year, right? You get the GM thing right. You, you, you retweak the roster a little bit. Maybe there's changes on the coaching staff if he comes back. I don't know. But I think there is a blueprint to winning with him, retaining him, and maintaining this culture, this foundational culture that you had in place. So that, to me, is definitely more appealing than a, than a, than a coordinator or somebody that hasn't been a head coach yet. But if you can get an established veteran head coach, I definitely understand um, uh, moving on from him. It, it's a tough spot, and it doesn't minimize what he's able to accomplish. It's just that if you're looking for, for long-term stability, I can see why having somebody that's already won at the highest of levels um, and won big at the highest of levels Makes sense. So that's just my perspective. Um, that, that's, that, that's, that's just my opinion. They obviously can go a number of routes with this, but Rich Masachi has shown more than capable of, of garnering the respect of the leaders in the locker room, and, and whatever way, route that the, the Raiders go, he did an, uh, a tremendous job, and I think that's worth commending. Yeah, and I'm not a proponent of uh, you know uh, uh, managing from a scared perspective at all, but I think the big question that I would have is, who gives me the best assurance that three years from now, I'll know that I'm on the right track rather than somebody that might be, ah, oh, we made a mistake here, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and, and that's gotta be like, you don't want to uh, turn back three years from now and, and realize that you did make a mistake. And so who gives them that assurance that that's not going to be the case. It'll be a fascinating um, next week or so trying to uh, decipher what, direction the Raiders ultimately take but uh, I think there's um, I think there's some plans up some sleeves right now and now it's just a matter sure. of going out there and executing it Sam yeah and I, I think you know, before I get out of here Vinny I think that makes you know that makes perfect sense right you you, you don't want to this is a time where it, it's a natural kind of time to hit an organizational reset after everything you've endured and bring new voices in and just bring in a new culture if that's what they elect to do and, and who could blame them if they do so that's um, that's the million-dollar thing, and I think that's what makes this this particular situation so polarizing. Is that before Rich Bisaccia, an interim coach, like had never reached the playoffs before, or an interim coach replacing a coach that was fired. You had the Bruce Arians, Chuck Pagano thing in 2011, I believe it was, but he replaced a, a head coach that stepped away, that was that was done with the job, and made the playoffs at the first. So that's what makes this such a fascinating discussion whatever way they choose that he did he, what he did was literally unprecedented in nfl history so it's going to be a fascinating development um and i'm excited to see how it unfolds i know you're going to be all over it uh, for us at the review journal and, and i can't wait all right sam thank you so much really appreciate it you know i always do uh thanks for spending some, some time with us in the huddle uh i'll talk to you down the line 
Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM uh, on a Tuesday. When we get back, more calls. I know you have a lot on your mind, as you should. What just happened uh, with this Raiders season? Boy, what a crazy ride it was. But, you know, uh, there were some special moments, and I felt like Raider Days should absolutely deserve that. Uh, now, what's going to happen? Because these next couple of weeks are really going to set the future for the Raiders, the immediate future. Um, and, and when we start looking out the next three, four years or so, these are the decisions that are going to be made right now uh, that kind of set that thing uh, in motion. We'll talk to you on the other side. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Bruce is in Iowa. How you doing, Bruce? Hey, Vinny. It's Bryce. Uh, thanks for oh. having me tonight. Hey, no, hey, no, not a problem. Really okay. appreciate your work. Uh, appreciate your show. Thanks for having me on tonight, Vinny. You got um, it, brother. But I got to say, I wholeheartedly disagree with you uh, when you say that this is not going to be a rebuild. Um, let's let's analyze here what happens if your quote unquote special coach is what you call Jim Harbaugh, right? He's a special coach. Yeah. Right. Let's let's see what happens if he's hired. Okay. So number one, he's going to bring in his own staff. Right, he's going to bring his entire offensive and defensive staff in from every position up and down the line to the backs and everything in between. So, from a coaching perspective, you can't call that anything other than a coaching rebuild, right there. So, if that's the case, likely you know the the big name that's coming out is Fangio comes back with Harbaugh. If that's the case, then we're going to be likely running a three-four, mm-hmm. which we are not built for. So even from a defensive personnel standpoint, yes, that's going to be a rebuild. So already we're seeing rebuilds both in the coaching and on the defensive staff. Now let's look at the offense. Carr has one more year on his deal, and likely Harbaugh is going to want to get his own guy at quarterback because look what he did in San Francisco. Very first draft, what did he do? He went and got Kaepernick in the second round. In his very first draft, started him even when Alex Smith was healthy. So... The question is, is he going to keep Carr knowing he won't get anything for him after this year or trade him for whatever you can get for him while you can? So you, we don't know that. So if that's the case, that's a potential offensive rebuild, too. So I don't well, know how okay. you call Couple, that anything other than quick. a rebuild. Real quick, real quick. Um, I covered the Rams in 2016. They had a 4-3 defense. Um, they went immediately to um, uh, – to, um, Bum Phillips changed to a 3-4. They were in the playoffs the very next year. And there was very minimal amount of rebuild that was going on on that defense. Uh, They didn't go out and get a bunch of different guys to fit the system. They made the system fit with the players that they had. And they continued to build from there. I don't buy for a second. I I believe the Raiders actually have personnel to run a uh, a 3-4 defense if it goes in that direction. Obviously, you're going to make some changes. But I don't look... I, I actually think the linebackers fit better in a four in a three four uh, than they do in the in the in the four three. Um, you know, uh, for the Raiders. Heck, I remember talking to Bum, literally Bum Phillips last year, because he was interested in the Raiders' uh, defensive job, and he felt like the personnel that was on hand and whatever improvements they made could easily uh, transfer to the three four. 
Um, so, so I don't think that that would be a rebuild of the defense. It would just be now you're teaching a different system and there's players on hand that have played in that system and whether it was college or the pros that they can make that work. Number two, real quick, uh, offensively. Okay. So let's say they draft a quarterback. There's no guarantee. I mean, they, 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 the 49ers got fortunate in a quarterback of the of the caliber of, of of Kaepernick, there's no guarantee that that quarterback is going to be in the in the draft. And by the way, they did get to the NFC Championship game with Alex Smith, right, uh, as their, as their quarterback. It wasn't in the, until the next year that they replaced Smith basically with um, with Kaepernick. So I could see that a similar thing happening if they're able and they're so fortunate enough to be able to draft a quality quarterback. Uh, in this next coming draft, and maybe he becomes a replacement for Derek Carr in 2023. All right, that that works. They didn't miss a beat. The 49ers didn't miss a beat in that regard, making that switch over. So, I, and I and I think, what are you are you talking about rebuilding with? Get rid of Darren Waller. He's a mainstay. Um, Hunter Renfro is a mainstay. Go get a good wide receiver, um, which there are cal- capable uh, wide receivers out there. I don't think that it's if if. You can move forward with Derek Carr, or you could draft another quarterback that becomes his uh, eventual successor, and do that in a seamless manner that doesn't require a massive over, uh, you know, uh, overhaul. So, but continue on with your points. Yeah, I appreciate that, Vinny. Um, yeah, I, when it comes to the three-four defense, you know, we do have some pieces I think that would fit at linebacker. But I, I don't know up front that we really have the pieces because consider everything on the front, aside from our two uh, rush ends, we're all on one-year deals. So we're going to have to replace the defensive front, that, that three. And you really need three big bodies up there, which we, we really don't have that. I mean, what are you going to do with Ngakwe and Crosby, who are really established as base four-three ends? Uh, it, it's not proven that Crosby and Ngakwe have that four drop back linebacker type of skill set. I, I don't know. Maybe they do, but that's not proven yet. So we're going to have to rebuild that defensive line on a 3-4. Um, we do have I some see. linebackers that can fit that system. And, and so we could probably work that. But, again, it's going to be a rebuild. It's going to be a complete rebuild on defense. Now, one it's definitely not going to be. A, it would not be a complete uh, rebuild. Um, I can assure you of that. Um, there's going to be some tinkering, Bryce, and I really appreciate the call. It's not going to be a complete rebuild. There's plenty of pieces in place on that Raiders defense that can fit into a 3-4 defense. I've seen it happen. Uh, it's not as drastic as people sometimes make it out to be. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Ralph in New Jersey. Thank you for taking my phone call. Uh, I have to just make sure that, you know, Mark Davis does the next right thing for us. I mean, uh, between him and his father, the last 20 years have been difficult, but I hope that he makes the right decision. I'm okay with Basaccia to tear everything apart. I just, the the OC for me is the one that, you know, and as far as Derek is concerned, I live in Philly land, and they want to throw Derek, I mean, they want to throw Hertz out the window already. Um, he, he's a basic runner and just someone who cannot eat pass. So, you know, Derek Carr, I've been wanting to get rid of him, keep him, get rid of him, keep him. Um, you know, he's had some good offensive lines over the years, but some of his problems still persist with the, the fumbling and, and all that. But then it was either he didn't have the wide receivers or he didn't have this or he didn't have that. And, and as much as I want to keep Carr, you know, he's, he's probably going to cost us at least, Forty million. I mean, that's an, that's 
with the starting Raiders from quarterbacks nowadays. And, uh, you know, we just, we just got to get a guy in there that can, you know, draft for us. We all know, you know, what's happened over the last couple of years. We, we had a chance to rebuild this team a couple of years, and, and here we are again. So, you know, I just wanted to make a couple of points. I wanted to thank you for your show. I listen to you every night, and I'll continue to listen. Thank you very much, Vinny. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you very much. I, and, and here's my thing. I don't think that the Raiders are here again, though. That's where uh, I would push back just a little bit. I understand where, what you're saying. They, they need a new general manager and potentially a new head coach. It's just a different dynamic this time compared to many of the others uh, in the past. This isn't a rebuild. Circumstance kind of dictated uh, this. And, you know, as I wrote in the Review Journal today, um, you know, Mike Mayock's future became extremely tenuous and vulnerable once John Gruden, his ardent supporter, the guy who brought him in, his hand-picked, as his hand-picked general manager, uh, was no longer on the scene. So it's a chance for the Raiders to kind of reset at the top but not have to do the complete overhaul of the roster. Whoever comes in here is going to be tasked with taking this, what's already in place, and there is a strong foundation in place, and taking it to that next level. Um, and we'll see. Uh, by the way, I said Bum Phillips. Uh, obviously, it was, it was Wade Phillips. But I, I remember this time last year talking to Wade Phillips or texting him uh, with Wade Phillips about some of the personnel that was on hand and why he felt like there's definitely pieces in place uh, to make this a 3-4 defense if it goes in that direction. So I wouldn't be all that worried about that. Uh, you look at what Vic Fangio does on the defenses that he works with, if it were to go in that direction, uh, there's no doubt that he the, that guy knows how to coach defenses and is able to get it uh, together uh, in short order. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line, uh, Guarab is on the line. How you doing, Guarab? Hey, hi, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, talking about um, yeah, Bisaccia, uh, first of all. I mean, I personally think he was a good guy. He did a good job and all that, but I definitely, definitely don't think he's the head coach for the Raiders for the future. And, um, and I mean, I think the resiliency and the emotional part of the, you know, comes back to its norm the following year. I think they would fall back into like this, yeah, just probably this, the, the basics of football again. So my, I got a couple of things I would ask you about Jim Harbaugh. Like, where is his, where is his mind really? Is he really want to come to the NFL and coach, um, or is he just using it as some kind of leverage for more money in Michigan? And, um, uh, yeah, and. Another thing I wanted to say was like our injuries that we have for the last three years, that's a big concern of mine. I mean, every year the Raiders are always really injured. I mean, across the board and in this league, it's really hard to win when your team is constantly injured, like throughout the last three years. Um, so I, beside, you know, let me uh, be, you know, obviously those two guard, I mean, Denzel was just a knee injury. It happens. Um, you know, uh, 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 Richie Incognito, not quite sure Waller's exactly out. what happened with her. Okay, well, yeah, Waller, but that's not – I mean, 
Waller's been a gamer. Um, his, no, yeah, his Mal- whole Mullen was Mullen was out the whole year. Morrow. I mean, so many of these guys. I mean, our list was always a lot bigger than everybody else's throughout the year. When you like matched up the list of like injuries for the last three years, it's been like that. It's like yeah, I, like- I agree with that. This year, I didn't think was that bad. I mean, yet uh, Mullen just hurt his foot, and it was just something that he wasn't able to to really overcome. There were there was a training camp injury to Nicholas Morrow, uh, but other than that, it, and and you know, Darren Waller got his he hurt his knee, and we had our doctors on that talked about how that was going to be uh, something that might keep him out, keep him sidelined for a little while. And it did. There's there's certain things you just can't account for. So I don't think it's a like, th- but this year in particular, I, I, I you, you got your starts from, you know, uh, the, the defense was, was pretty much on the field for quite a bit of time. And even, you know, okay. Jonathan Abram dislocated shoulder that happens in football, you know, and, and unfortunately it was a season ending injury for him where it, where it happened uh, on the calendar. So yeah, I don't see that that was a huge problem this year. And it's something that you just can't account for. Uh, And I'll give Mike Mayock a lot of credit too, because even with those injuries, they were able to keep coming up with good, solid players that were able to contribute. Um, You don't want to always be in that position, but in the cases that they had to replace people, uh, they did a pretty good job of it. So, um, you know, th- that's a good thing. But I think that offensive line, I think more than anything, right tackle needs to be fixed. A premier wide receiver needs to be uh, figured out somehow, some way, whether it's the draft or free agency or a trade. Um, and, you know, some tinkering definitely on, on the defensive side of the ball. But I think the defense is really in a pretty good position to take another step forward uh, next year. Raider Mike is on the line. How you doing, Raider Mike? What's up, Paisan? How you doing, brother? Uh, disappointed is the best word. I mean, yep. that uh, ref, Booger, Booger <laughs> Man, whatever his name is, he, yeah. he better never come to Vegas. Or Florida by that by that chance. See him in the street. We'll take him out. That was ridiculous. Let's not go there. Let's not go there, please. It was bad. Come on, Benny. Anyway, I mean the the, uh, the refereeing was bad, but yeah, let's just keep it clean on the other on, on the other part of okay, it, though. I got you. Anyway, uh, Mayock, I, I I thought he did a decent job, but I think he did. That's just too much first round failure. With uh, Arnett, I mean, Ruggs was not really something to predict because um, he was on his way to becoming a true number one. I mean, he, he was doing what we thought he, would, he could do. Uh, but, I mean, Leatherwood was probably picked too early. And there's, there's a lot of things he did wrong. And one, I'm questioning why is the, the Asaki still, still here, which means I think Harbaugh is going to get hired. And he wants to retain Richie because he knows these men. He's led these men through trial by fire. I mean, pure hell. No team in the history of the league has ever gone through anything like this. And uh, Devonta Adams has said he wants to play with D.C., and D.C. has said he wants to play with Devonta. So I think that we pull the trigger on that, we're set. Um, and then pull a, a right tackle out of the draft or, or the best one we can find a free agency. I think we'll be fine because Mullen yeah. will be back. Yeah, um, you, you, you expect Mullen to definitely be back. Uh, they, they have to re-sign Casey Hayward uh, in my estimation. Um, I think that you know Denzel Perryman is back on a uh, – he's, he's back for another year for sure. Um, 
that defensive line, Quinton Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, all those guys are on one-year deals. I would suspect that there's mutual interest to come back. I don't think any of those guys are going to be guys that break the bank. Um, so they're, they're, they might be in pretty good position. $4 million dollars a piece. They're perfect guys for what we're trying to do. So right, exactly. And, and Jonathan Hankins as well. Rebuild my point, Vinny. We are right there. I mean, yeah, we went I, through nothing but hell and got to the playoffs, and we were right on the doorstep to beating the Bengals. And a bungled call, of course, going against the Raiders. You know, who knows what could have happened. Then we took the goal line with time running out. So I'm proud of this team. I love this team. And I will back them the rest of my life till my grave. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I think I think it was a a, a big step forward. Um, and what's so interesting about that is that you know we're sitting here talking about replacing the general manager and replacing the head coach, but I have to you know make it a continued point because I think that some fans out there are sort of taking this as here we go again when it's really not here we go again. It's just circumstance kind of interceded here in a in a way that nobody ever saw coming nobody nobody was thinking about having to replace john gruden at the end of this year it, it just it wasn't part of anybody's thought process whatsoever yeah you have fans that you know can lose it on a week-to-week basis and they always want to replace the coach there but nobody in the in the building was even contemplating thinking about uh entertaining the thought even the mere possibility of having to replace John Gruden. There was confidence in where this thing was headed, uh, and he was the guy that was directing it. But circumstance um, stepped in, unfortunately, and now here the Raiders are having to, to, to find a permanent head coach. But things have drastically changed uh, since 2018, since he took over, and this roster is in a much better position uh, to be built upon and not torn down and built again um and so i think that fans need to you know kind of keep that in mind and it's why again i'll reiterate this it is an attractive job there are candidates out there that are looking at this job going this is not a bad uh uh, position at all it's not going to take a lot to get this thing over the top uh, or to the next level you've got the state-of-the-art facility in henderson you've got the great stadium um allegiant stadium you've got a foundation you've got a quarterback in place uh that is a proven winner and somebody that's proven he could get a team even in a less than ideal situation to the playoffs and yes as people have said well his defense carried him hallelujah finally finally he had somebody on defense that he could count on because it's not always going to be great offensively. And there were a lot of reasons why it wasn't uh, 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 great this year offensively. You don't lose Darren Waller for six games and not feel that tremendously. You don't have the offensive line that they have and the lack of running game that they had and not feel that. But they were still able to figure out a way. Imagine if they could get those issues fixed, which I don't think they're far off from fixing them. And then you also have the defense that was able to bail them out from time to time this year pretty good situation to have and i think that there's people out there that understand this roster that have done their homework and said i could get this thing to the next level it's not doesn't need any kind of a rebuild you're in the huddle with vinnie bonsignor brought to you by tequila embajador raider nation radio 9 20 a.m on a tuesday you're listening to raider nation radio 9 20 a.m now back to your host vinnie bonsignor 
Um, you know, Rich, <laughs> Rich is one of a kind, you know, he's, you know, everybody's been asking what's going to happen and everybody knows my vote. Uh, <laughs> and it's, I made that very clear. You know, I love Rich. I think he's the best man for the job and he's come in and done, done such an amazing job. We've won 10 games with a team that's had tragedy, lost everything you can imagine. Um, and he's found a way to get a group of guys to come together and win football games in January and December, um, which is rare. Uh, so, you know, Rich, Rich is, he's the real deal. You know, he's a, he's a leader of men and that's, that's all you can ask for. That's Raiders defensive end Max Crosby. He appeared on the um, Rich show, uh, putting his, throwing his uh, support uh, to Rich Bisacci. I know players that I've talked to um, share that sentiment. Um, no question about it. I asked Eric Carr uh, about it um, on Saturday in Cincinnati, and he was unequivocal in his support for Rich Bisacci. And that all makes sense. And it says a lot uh, about Rich Bisacci, the man. Um, I just wonder if at this point where the Raiders currently are, um, if, if Mark Davis is opting or is, is looking for somebody that he believes uh, is going to be able to take this franchise very expeditiously to the next level. Because that's where this franchise um, is perched to go. It's not take a step back, rebuild the whole thing. Um, you know, it, it's just not that. And even if you bring in a 3-4 defense coach, I explained how I saw that happen in Los Angeles. Um, it went from a 4-3 uh, to a 3-4, and they made the playoffs that year. And that defense was pretty darn good, and it keeps getting better, um, you know, uh, over the time. So, you know, um, there's, there's, there's ways to um, bring in the right personnel. There's also players that are currently on the team that have played in that kind of a defense and that have the skill sets to play in that defense. Yeah. You're going to have to, you know, uh, go get a big nose guard for sure. Maybe Jonathan Hankins can, can fill that bill. Um, you know, uh, I've seen Michael Brockers go from a, a, a really good four, three, uh, defensive tackle to a nose guard and, and pulled it off really well. And then you can draft guys too. guys are, there's, there's ways to mitigate that. I think on the back end of things, the Raiders have the necessary personnel to pull that off. So I don't think whoever the Raiders get, there's any need for an overhaul. Tinkering is where they're at right now. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Pete in North Carolina. How you doing, Pete? Intense, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you, brother. Raider Nation is torn, obviously. You talk about, <laughs> you probably have a 50-50 on Derek, 50-50 on Coach Basaccia, and I, I know I've called in the past and I said I would like to see Mayock and Basaccia return. However, I did say that I would think that the owner probably knows more about what took place in terms of free agent signings and draft choices, and, and Mayock was probably as big a part of that as Gruden, and that was the decision he made. One of my questions I have for you um, is I think Rich Basaccia, I, I mean, we were the cardiac kids, and, and he was, he was as, as strong as you could be in those games that we won. They were all playoff games, which everybody's referred to. And, and I thought he did an excellent job under the circumstances, some extreme circumstances as head coach. Um, I also think that, you know, from the perspective that he came in, these are the systems that they have in place. That's our defensive system. That's our offensive system. And he doesn't really have a chance to shape that during, during the course of the season when he took over. 
And I'd love the opportunity for him maybe to put a staff, uh, and, and not much, maybe there's a new offensive coordinator potentially, um, and, and maybe a new direction there. But I know how torn everybody is, but I think the guy, I, I personally think he did an excellent job. And I will say this, that being that Mayock was fired uh, or released, um, you would think that if they were going to go and, and bring in a new coach and a new GM, that they would have done the same with Rich. And the fact that he's going to be, I think he's got a chance to retain the position or to get the head coaching job. If not, he would have been released. And as far as the remaining of the, you know, this team, the way they played, they played so hard for, for that coaching staff. And, uh, and yeah, there could be some tweaks, I think, on the coaching staff and tweaks on the field and we'll be in great shape. I, I don't necessarily agree with the fact I'm concerned like other Raider fans are concerned that new GM, new coach, now you have to create a culture all over again, as opposed to the culture that they just created naturally this half of the season. And, and I think it's been a great culture. I think we've been very appreciative of what they, what they've done. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. Um, here's my thing. Uh, I don't, no matter who the coach is, assuming nobody comes in here and it's just, a knucklehead or whatever just a, is egregious uh, in how they handle the leadership aspect of it. I just think that there's enough good people in that locker room as it is. I don't think that culture is going anywhere. Um, I think that that culture can be accentuated, whether it's Rich Passaccia or whoever else they bring in. I don't think that that's going to change because I think it's already been established by the players that are in the building. And I don't see that the Raiders would go out and get somebody that's going to screw that up. Uh, at all. And I think that, um, yes, respect would have to be earned if it is a new coach. Um, but I think there's just too many strong people in that locker room to make, to let that be an issue. Um, uh, if they do go, if they uh, do bring somebody else in, I think that th that part of it's going to be okay. Uh, back out to the Raider nation listener line H in Albuquerque. How you doing H? Hey Vinny, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, a couple of quick comments on some callers I've heard, uh, one about the injuries. I don't think Divine Diablo gets in the starting lineup without in the injuries. And what they ended up finding was a starter. I think there's, it's not a coincidence that a run defense really solidified once he was inserted in the starting lineup along with Denzel Perriman. 1,000%. So good things do happen from injuries, you know. Um, the other thing, uh, I, this to me, and I know it's a biased opinion, um, I think this has got to be the most attractive job in the league with the new facilities, the pearl of the stadium, and you have an owner that really wants to win. And I don't, you can't say that about all the owners in the league. Some of them, I think, are more concerned about team equity than they are about winning, and they're content with that. But Mark Davis clearly wants to win. And the other thing about him is he admitted from the very beginning he didn't know about much about football. He was going to find somebody who did. And he's tried to do that over and over again. I think the fact that Mayock is gone and Basaccia is not yet is not a reflection that he wants to keep Basaccia, but he wants to leave that decision to a man who knows football. So it's, the priority is to find a GM and let him make that decision. 
I think that's an excellent, excellent call. Eddie in L.A., I'm sorry I couldn't get you, but you're going to be first up tomorrow. You know I love you, brother, so uh, please call tomorrow. I'm sorry we ran out of time. Uh, you know how I feel about you, um, so let's talk tomorrow. I want to say thanks to Sam Gordon. want to say thanks to all our great callers. Uh, we're not going anywhere. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. I know Lincoln's going to be with us uh, tomorrow uh, to continue this conversation. It's a fascinating conversation. There's a lot that's happening right now over at the building in, in, in Henderson, a lot that will happen. Uh, we're going to be on top of it and following it, and we want your thoughts about it. Thanks to uh, Devon Cotton, obviously our great producer uh, over at home base. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. It's a Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday. Check you guys out tomorrow.